0: can't really sing.
1: You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I'm your host. Joining me in a moment, my man, Alec Argento. But of course, this podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, at Google Play, SoundCloud. Of course, on SportsBlogNewYork.com. Of course, Alec, right? Let's go. Where else would it be?
0: I don't know.
1: You don't know anything. Why
0: you put me under pressure like this?
1: Because you look way too comfortable right now. I wish the listener could see how you are just <laughs> half-assing this entire this
0: entire thing right now. This is fun. <laughs> this uh, I am laying down on a couch right now with the microphone uh, resting gently on my chest, and I'm on Bumble right now, so this is fun.
1: You better swipe everything <laughs> r- the right way. Which one's the right way? I never done Bumble or twin. Which way is uh yes? Yeah, sure. What? <laughs> but yeah, I want to see swiping on the yes for everybody. You better get three messages. What by... do you think?
0: Of, oh, I just got a match. Let's go. You
1: better get three messages by the end of this podcast. That's If you're swiping, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I want three messages. That's it. Um, <laughs> Alec Argento's here. We're going to be talking about Oof. some baseball <laughs> stuff, right? Because now, that's especially good. us New York fans, we don't have too much to look forward to, not regarding the MLB season where hopefully the Yankees are good and the Mets aren't, the stock. Uh, so we got some baseball stuff. Somebody got signed. You, Darvish, six, six-year six deal. How about that? Thank you. Catch you off guard. You're welcome. <laughs> Wait, why would you say thank you? No, I was thanking you, oh. Mr. Darvish. Wow. So, so you're laying down on the couch to record the podcast. Making lazy puns. <laughs> but you still got
0: the jokes. We talk about the Knicks later. Happy Moody Day.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's actually enough for you. Thank you. That's Alec Argento. <laughs> Thank you. Um, did it catch you off guard, though, the U card, the contract? Or did you no, think I've, he was going to get I've more? Been,
0: I, I've been f 5 for, like, the past three months. This 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 offseason sucked outside of stand moving. Every day I, I, search, I search things and nothing ever happens. So at this point it was just like a – thank God, you know.
1: Those other free agents, the J.D. Martinez's and the Hosmer's, Moustakis's, are they a little bit more relieved now? They're going to get their money? What's going on here?
0: Darvish didn't get his money. Darvish didn't get paid at all. He did not get money. For, all right, so you look at the other people that got paid, the other, like, number one uh, best available pitchers on the market the past couple of years, David Price, Zach Granke, he made, like, three quarter, uh, three-fifths three of what they made. Like I think uh, Price made $200 million for, like, for like seven years. He's making Yu Darvish is making 126 with everyone saying like oh incentives to make 150. He has to have make multiple win multiple Cy Youngs for him to get those incentives. So he's got like an AAV of like 20 million a year, 20 and change, which is nothing for for what he would normally command. He's like we, we all look at this differently. He's like 32 now, but 32 year olds coming off their best parts of their career, especially when we're learning now that uh, pitchers are actually better. In their 30s than they are in their 20s compared to position players, he's making peanuts and he's not. He he's got like yeah he got a no trade and player option and everything which is kind of good but, still I don't know that that was a bad contract for him. But in the hasn't
1: market, hasn't he been a little injury prone though? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't that hurt no, him? It's it's
0: it's the right signing for for an organization but it's not really for you know baseball has always been player focused. The players' union always got what they wanted, and every year it was just upticking and upticking and now he's. You know, he's definitely injury prone, but arms usually don't matter. Usually you pay a premium for a good starting pitcher.
1: I guess it just felt like to me that there was just this like freezing. This I, I don't even know what to call it, but there was a freeze out between yep. the free agents and uh, the all the teams, obviously. And this was like the first one that really got the train rolling. So we're going to talk more about that. Talk a little bit about the Mets and Yankees for funsies, because it really is getting close. What is, what's pitchers and catchers? That's something you care about. Uh, start soon?
0: Two days? Well, when this release. I think it's tomorrow.
1: Wow. Yeah. Look at that. I always find it funny that people get all like excited about pitchers and catchers, but I kind of find it an arbitrary day where people can just be like, League? For Summer League? Yeah, because yeah, I get to watch them play games. Yeah, you get... Especially watch, the young guys. I
0: could watch some long toss. Oh, yeah, a
1: little... <laughs> uh, who doesn't love a little long toss between <laughs> your guy and Duhar and Torres? Would you, like, say there was a live stream, a little periscope from the Yankees' Twitter or something like that. Would you tune in to watch them, like, yeah. take BP and ground balls and stuff like that? hundred percent. Of course <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, respect, honestly. I really respect that.
0: Just, like, the first day. Just the first day. I, well, especially Just to
1: feel it. Just to feel, like, the, su- the summer on its way. Well,
0: here's another thing, too, is, like... Yankees spring training never meant anything for the longest time, but now they've had, like, especially last year. Last year's spring training was super fun because there's people actually competing for jobs, and this year they have, like, a ton of their prospects. He's obviously have one of the best uh, farm systems in baseball, but they actually invite these people to camp. They're all competing for jobs and everything. It's exciting. It's fun. I will, I'll take that any, uh, uh, that first day of spring training every day.
1: I feel you. It, it reminds you that it's not going to be 30 degrees and raining. Oh, my God. Baseball, a little bit. I love it. Oof, for real. That's something we I think we could all get behind, Absolutely. especially right now. Uh, so more stuff on baseball coming up. But we do got to talk about some basketball later. And our man, John Lucas Duffy, one of our lovely NBA outsiders, is going to join us in a bit to talk about the new look Calves. Alec. Huh?
0: Wait, am I an NBA outsider outsider? You,
1: yes, that's correct. That's pretty good. You're an outsider to the outsiders, <laughs> which is a pretty good place to be, actually. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, you've been pretty hardcore about the Cavs being bad this year. Yes, yeah, And um, since they've made these drastic changes, that would send some to believe that you were pretty close to being right that whole entire time, and the Cavs were so bad, they had to make moves, but now that they made this move and now that they dismantled the Boston Celtics how are you feeling about the new look Cavaliers
0: it sucks i love hating on the Cavs you know they're going to win a lot uh, i know people say oh chemistry is everything it really doesn't matter if you have lebron james and you have younger players you want to Prove something, you know. When you have Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose and Jose Calderon, they don't look up to LeBron. They'll, you know, they're gonna continue. They're gonna get annoyed when he tries to get in their face. You have these young guys like George Hill, and well, I guess George Hill's not young, but Rodney Hood and everything like they're gonna play up with him, and that's that's the type of player that LeBron makes better. And I want to want to root against the Cavs, and now it just makes it hard. I
1: hate- I, uh, Jeff Van Gundy had a top notch line today on the on the broadcast. He said. Now there's a bunch of robins around bat about around Batman calling LeBron Batman. Obviously, I think but, Ronnie
0: Hood said that. I think that. Was, oh, is that maybe yeah. he was talking about? I he was. Hood's quote? one of the, oh. one of the players said that. that
1: makes it made a ton of sense to me because like Isaiah Thomas was Batman last year. Mm-hmm. He was the best player on the best team, which was the Celtics. Yeah, Dwayne Wade was
0: always the you know the alpha on the team and everything. Right? Literally, uh-huh. and
1: then I mean Jay Crowder's a guy who almost had too much confidence at times, and it didn't seem like he took kindly to not being important mm-hmm. or or worthy. Um, so now Rodney Hood a lot to prove, Clarkson a lot to prove, Nance a lot to prove, George Hill is a vet. And he knows he's not freaking shining the shoes of LeBron James. So it makes a lot of sense that chemistry wise and just overall attitude towards playing basketball is gonna be a lot a lot better. A mm-hmm. lot more a lot more smiles going around.
0: How happy are you that I can't be right about the Cavs
1: anymore? I'm I'm a little upset because I still
0: had some faith. I don't know why. Oh yeah, those fifteen games at IT they really proved they, you know, you really saw a lot in there that we get you going that number though that number makes me think there was still something it's it's 15 like a, games it's like a sixth of the season it's a good chunk
1: 15 games after of a, a hip injury that took him out for for 6 months over 6 months
0: so was that Kyrie Kyrie trade a good trade for the Cavs obviously not dude <laughs> but when
1: when Kyrie Irving an all-star every year for his life asked for it to be traded that's not good for your organization in general
0: what what got a better return Kyrie Irving or Carmelo Anthony <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, pretty, that's well, pretty
1: crazy if you count if you count what the return turned into like if isaiah thomas and crowder being and well the nets pick is still there but isaiah thomas crowder and them them being able to use their own pick turned into clarkson and nance mcdermott canter
0: i'll
1: uh, give it to clarkson well, and nance
0: no, well okay well, if we do that token we got we got canter the bulls second and mudier that's pretty good for, for a 33-year-old uh, Carmelo Anthony with a new trade clause. Kyrie <laughs> Irving, 26, awesome point guard. <laughs> yeah.
1: Literally top top 10 player in the league like crazy. <laughs> yeah, wow, it's, it's rough, man. So I don't know. We're going to talk more about the Cavs later with Duff. But did it catch you by surprise at all that they washed the Celtics today?
0: No, it sucks. I knew this was going to happen. I said this is, we, we have, in our group chat, I said that as soon as that, that day happened. You know, I'm here I am being excited that we got like Emmanuel Moody and the Cavs are completely changing their entire roster. <laughs>
1: You're pumped about a, a lottery pick turned bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, meanwhile, the Cavs just added four players, three of them 25 and younger, who are ready to play.
0: Yeah,
1: it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> at least man. We have
0: our, at least we have our draft picks going forward. That is true. I liked about
1: that. That is a good thing that the Knicks do not always have. So, hey, <laughs> you got to pick your battles, and especially the ones you can win. That is one we can win right now. Um, so, more stuff coming on the NBA, coming on uh, the Knicks. Uh, John Lucas Delvey joining in a bit. Also going to talk about the buyout market, because... You know how in the baseball in MLB, it's like the trade deadline happens, and then there's just like these waiver trades that happen. Oh, anyway? yeah,
0: Justin Verlander that won that won a World Series with the Astro this year. Literally, yeah. there
1: there might as well not be a trade deadline in
0: baseball because it's <laughs> a joke. That... I I truly don't understand the difference. Oh, you I really just got to clear it. waivers, and then a do- but you could also team, take them off waivers.
1: Like <laughs> it it doesn't it's a
0: little, really weird. But also in basketball,
1: they have a similar situation where Tyreek Evans, Marco Bellinelli, Joe Johnson, all these guys either got traded or didn't get traded. Like, so Joe Johnson got traded to a team you didn't want to be on. And these other guys just ended up not getting traded. But now they can just buy out their contract. They're all pretty cheap anyway. And any team can pick them up. And guess what, Alec? Guess who's in the running to add... Marco Bellinelli, a great shooter, Tyreek Evans if he gets bought out, Joe Johnson if he gets bought out. <sighs> think about it. Who do you think who do you think's in the running? Cleveland Cavaliers. No, close though. The Warriors and the Celtics. Yeah, and then one. throw the Sixers in there actually. Who might get Marco Bellinelli? So but basically, be great for the all the best teams that need a little piece here and there. And the Sixers. Well, yes. Could just add a guy for nothing. Because they bought him out.
0: That's what annoys the hell out of me with the with the NBA. It's like when when you're a loser, you're not going to get people to come on cheap. When you're a winner, winning begets winning, and you get more winners to come to you. You get these older veterans who are willing to just take whatever to go win a ring and then go sign a free agent deal at the end of the season. It doesn't matter to them.
1: Yeah, why why wouldn't they? Like, if you're Joe Johnson, are you not? Are you, why would you stay with uh, like the Kings or whoever you just got traded? No, it's, to?
0: It's, it's It works out for everyone. It absolutely works out for everyone, I, but I'd like free players. I would love a free <laughs> player, but you know
1: what? The facade thing is a free player doesn't really help a team like the Knicks, because.
0: You know. But if they do it in the beginning of the season, it does.
1: <laughs> what about if we bought out Jokam Noah? That'd be great. Would that make you happy? I'd be very happy, but I don't like Jokam Noah. Would you rather Kim Noah be in the facility and around the team and not playing, or not in the facility and not playing? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, just just
0: your, just your daily reminder that when Jokam Noah got signed, Pete was like, "That was a good signing in a vacuum." <laughs> It wasn't okay. You're putting you're putting words in my <laughs> no, mouth. No, that very much happened. never called it good. I tried to salvage <laughs> well, with it with this market and everything, and then you know the market never changed. The entire <laughs> NBA
1: got duped by that market. They did. That,
0: the that, entire NBA. Evan Turner, Kemp, Asmore, they're all making would seventeen. You, would you 18 say 18 the joke Noah was the worst signing out of all of them, though? I would. So moving on to, <laughs> to <a different laughs> moving
1: on to a different topic, because uh, yeah, he might be the worst signing of all time. Unfortunately, <laughs> right? Like. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like Bobby Bonilla
0: in a different sport. Bobby Bonilla wasn't even that bad. Everyone makes fun of him and everything. We that's paid him for 30 years or whatever. Yeah, but that's smart. If, you're def- if an organization always has the opportunity to defer money, you always defer money. They're paying him like a million dollars a year. It's yeah, like, like nothing.
1: I think it's two or something like that. It's yeah. not bad, but you know who's getting paid a lot, Alec? Me? Bring No. <laughs> not
0: me. Not compared to, <laughs> not compared
1: to this guy. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just got the biggest contract in NFL history, which happens every time a Quarterback who's either really good or perceived to be really good gets on the market. They get the biggest contract. It was literally this conversation with Matt Stafford last year. This one's a Tony little crazy. Romo was the highest paid quarterback at one point. So was Joe Flacco. And Joe, Joe Flacco was as well. There's definitely another one that's funny, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I
0: don't know. Um, well, like Jimmy make that guapalo Am I right though?
1: Oh, that's three for three. Not bad. Three for three. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, you actually recycled <laughs> that one. Used that with me earlier. Yeah, the but week. they didn't hear it. The pe- I got to give the people what they want. That's true. Very fair. fair. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was given what he wanted with that being a lot of money. Uh, but he's only started seven games in his career there, son. <laughs> Was
0: he like five touchdowns and three interceptions, too? Something, <laughs> something like that. Seven and four. Se- seven uh, touchdowns, four this interceptions, maybe. When you, especially when you're rebuilding. Wait, so you think it's dumb? Yeah, of course I think oh, it's dumb. Oh, man. What? I'll, t- I'll tell okay. you why, because there's a reason the Patriots win every year. is because Tom Brady takes nothing, because you can put the money into the resources around you. When you're already, all your money is tied up into a quarterback. When you, I... I like it's all right, I guess, when you have a foundation, like, you know. But but look, like the Giants never competed really after after Eli got that big contract. The uh, the, the Ravens never did. The the Lions never will. <laughs> um, you need that money to go other places. So I, I get it. It's the most important position on the field, and you pay that person the most money. But when you're constantly upping the ante, you can't put those resources into other players on the field and it's just gonna it's gonna put you in a crappy situation where you're never gonna be good because unless you draft impeccably well uh, you know every player you draft is a hit you're just not gonna be able to build around that so you maybe you could do that down the road but not in the beginning
1: I I hear you I really do and I mean you make a point that's pretty much undisputable um when your quarterback's making a ton of money it's hard to fill the other spots on the roster we saw it most recently probably with the Seahawks so Russell Wilson was still in the rookie con- rookie contract, and they're paying the Legion a boom. They're paying some great linemen and linebackers. They have uh, some great offensive linemen. Russell
0: Wilson linemen. hasn't gotten
1: a contract yet? No, no, no. I'm saying before oh, okay. he got his contract, when he was on his rookie deal, they were able to pay all these guys, and their roster was stacked. Their defense was incredible. Now, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson gets paid. Now it's not as easy to pay... Four
0: top-notch defensive backs. Yeah, and I mean that's the case in any sport. Look at look at the right. Warriors, but you know with Steph Curry, Steph Curry was making nothing, so they were able to able to get someone like Kevin Durant on the team. You know, and in that one freaking year where the thing the the cap exploded, yeah, they were able to well sign him.
1: Them, huh? It I guess I guess it did apparently. Uh, but so <laughs> clearly you feel bad. I mean, you feel the contract can be bad. Do you also feel that way about Garoppolo as the quarterback?
0: I mean, I don't. I don't. If if you act like you know that Garoppolo is good, I know he's going to be good. You, 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 I'm all in on Jimmy J. Yeah. Are you really? Oh yeah. I, I started I, it last. I, year. I don't think he's, but I don't think he's going to be bad. But there's a very good chance he is. I was taking the Niners every week as soon as he got. That's back fine. Off. Everyone was, but a lot of those teams, like like I said, we know we went through it here, but a lot of those teams didn't want to play those games against him. It was like West Coast trips and, um, you know, games that didn't matter and. I don't know. I think he won one really important game out of that, and really for the other ones, it just didn't matter. And you know, it's also a trap game. You know, against a team like that, I I don't think he's going to be bad, but he's also relatively injury prone. We know that.
1: I mean, I mean, he got hurt once, but he's only played like seven games. He got hurt in 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 New England. I don't know, actually. He I think could, he was could, also hurting. I could that, be could, make, that could be right. I could I don't be know. making
0: that up. Don't quote Don't quote me on that. <laughs> don't research that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually on the record, so you're beat. Don't, don't research
1: I that. always used to laugh, by the way. This is a really random aside. When I actually used to watch First Take back in its glory days of Steve and I and Skip talking about like Durant versus LeBron, Thunder, Heat, whatever. They still have that conversation on their <laughs> separate programs. <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, but back when I used to watch it all the time, they always used to say, I'm going on the record. And I would sit there as a little <laughs> high school idiot. Write be, it down. Being like, <laughs> yo, what do you mean you're going on the record? You're literally on live television. Like, everything you say is on the record.
0: However, however, that's it. No, just doing a little Stephen A there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're really bringing the heat. I, I, I actually feel like we're doing really well right now. I feel like my relaxed uh, my relaxed <laughs> tempo is coming up with some great puns, <laughs> some, some hot takes. Uh, but they're coming in tepidly, so you, you, you think they're not that hot. I'll, I'll tell you something. This is a pretty good pod. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know who would agree? Who? Jimmy G. You think he would agree that our our pot is doing really well right now? Yeah, because
1: we're hyping him up. I'm (laughs) hyping him up.
0: He actually wouldn't like you very much. So what I'm trying to say,
1: though, is when you're looking to find your franchise quarterback, if you are not going through the draft, isn't the only way to pay the man who you think is
0: the best? I guess, but... How many good free agent signings for franchise quarterbacks have there been? Drew Brees' name, hardly and
1: any. And but that's yeah. a, that's like a flaw in the NFL. There's almost too much loyalty amongst team.
0: To there's the too much loyalty. To, you have the, the, the flexibility to put the money out there. You it, you can't afford to not have someone who's average or better on your team, and overpay them. You have to do that. Right. Yeah, but, you have to draft that person. You can't just pay them because it's going to like cripple your team for years. I think it's going to be really bad for the Niners, actually. But luckily enough for them, I don't think they have anyone else on that team with a contract. I don't like at all. I can't imagine they do. This actually probably like this one signing allows them to hit their floor, like their salary floor. Um, but they probably, you know, it's still it's going to take a lot from them. They, I don't think they have anybody on that defense. What playmakers do they have on offense? I mean, they have a lot of work to do. Uh,
1: I mean, they still have Carlos Hyde. Uh, I guess like, player. everyone's but, saying like
0: they're, they're gonna like th- th- people are putting bets in for them to win the Super Bowl next year. Like, slow your roll a little bit.
1: No, that is absolutely insane. I agree. That's that's just like classic. Actually, this is really per- this is really perfect. Actually, since the TV behind us has the Timberwolves Kings game on, and I remember after the Kings draft where you know they had three first round picks, they had De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, they signed Vince Carter, Zach Randolph, and George Hill. People are like, oh, my God, the Kings had a great offseason. I had multiple friends tell me they're going to make the playoffs. I'm like, what? Their best players are all rookies. Like, they're going to be trash still. And not that this is exactly the same, because they are are probably going to be at least average in the league. Like, the Niners are not going to flip this thing around from not being able to win a game Uh, to going to a Super Bowl. I
0: disagree with you there in the fact that Football is the one sport where you can flip the script in a year. I mean, look at the Eagles. I was
1: going to say, I, actually, yeah, you're right, the and, Eagles. Just look
0: at the Giants in the opposite direction last year and the year before. Like, you know, second-best ra- uh, record in football to the second-worst record in football, literally. Wow. Yeah, I mean— it's, The old bait-and-switch. Yeah, football Football is the one sport where that can happen. I just don't—it has to be done the right way. I mean, granted, there's a lot of time left before, you know, this, the season starts, but— the Eagles were able to sign people, you know, playmakers like like Chris Long and Alshon Jeffrey and stuff like that. They didn't have that beforehand. You got to see what else the, the Niners are able to do, but I, I can't imagine that they're going to be ultra competitive enough. I mean, on one on one hand, though, that that division is pretty crappy. Probably the worst division of f- football nowadays. Right? What the Rams. Rams. And the but Seahawks? Who did the Rams have against this year? The Seahawks weren't very good.
1: Seahawks are still like very competitive. The Rams are very guess.
0: good. Well, the Rams were like good, but who else was in that division? They they weren't good. And, and the know, Cardinals. The were, yeah, the Card- That's like one of the, the most Card- like consistent. That's a consistent know, group just, right there. I don't think. I think the Rams were good, and I think the Rams were good because the rest of the competition this year was bad. I think a lot of this, a lot of a lot of divisions were like that this the, year. The Rams had the defensive
1: player of the year, the offensive player of the year, and the yeah, coach of okay. the year. Yeah, okay, but the. The, the, they had a good.
0: They had a really good season. They had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but just one. T- like there's always one team at the top. Wait, of the so hunt. hold on. The Actually, Eagles. The Eagles were, were really good this year. I think next year, when players, when the Cowboys are a little bit better, the Giants are a little bit better, the Redskins are a little bit better, the Eagles aren't going to have nearly the season that they had this year. So yeah.
1: would you say the Rams are a
0: candidate like the Giants
1: to do a old flip flop?
0: I think the Rams are more average than. Than bad. I right. think that they're they're just going to go down to, you know, like a seven seven win to a nine win team, uh, but you know I don't think that I don't think I think they have the pieces to not be bad. I don't think they can they can. Yeah, be. I agree. I mean, I, I like them a lot, and I think McVay's a good time. coach too. I just yeah. don't. Uh, I don't. I think that this whole year is going to be a big wash, in the fact that we don't really know how uh, things are going to play out next year because so many good players were hurt. Like you know, like we said a million times, like arguably the best player in every at every position if you, you can yeah. make a case for you reverse. can take
1: the, each like Aaron Rodgers, JJ Watt, Odell Beckham like there was a ton of high name high like very yeah. big names who got hurt and also Andrew Law, any any year know, like, that Aaron Rodgers gets hurt can't you
0: kind of just throw that NFC out yeah that's what i'm saying like I, I i no disrespect to the eagles even though i hate them and i Never wish them to have success again. Uh, <laughs> no no <laughs> offense, but I literally hate everything about you. <laughs> but I, I don't think I don't think that the Eagles, like you know, you put them in last year. I don't think that they're a Super Bowl team. I don't think the Patriots you put them last year were a Super Bowl team. They just didn't have the injuries. That's you can't like fault them for it, but you can't give them all the credit in the world for it. You know? Yeah, for
1: sure. Honestly, it it, ma- it does make sense. Uh, back to Jimmy G though, real quick. Do you think? he fits the mold of successful quarterback? Like, do you Tall, think he big has... Hands? Yeah, sure. Tall, big hands, quick <laughs> trigger, whatever you want. Like, do you, when you look at successful quarterbacks, all the ones you consider your favorite or the best in the league, does he fit in that realm of quarterback? Do you see him with
0: the elites, or do you see him as being
1: in the Stafford. I think the
0: fact that we're even having this conversation is like not not because of you like everyone's having this conversation it's just so ridiculous to me just cuz like he hasn't done anything in the NFL. and not you i just mean right. in general like everyone's even talking even though about i this. am on, I'm high on him. No, yeah, and, I, and that's fair. You can be high on him, but to just have any expectations on him whatsoever, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he is. I don't think anybody really knows what he is. You'll want to say maybe, you know, Belichick knew what he was. I think we, we're all having that hype in our in our heads that, oh, well, Belichick was this high on him, so he must be that good. And That I, is I, definitely a big part of it. Yeah, I think that's what, I think that's a huge part of it. I think that's the majority of the reason people are, are, are so big on him. And then, you know, I, there's a chance that Maybe he was, but I, I, I'd I like to see a little bit before I can I can declare that. I mean, we how many times have we seen player, like quarterbacks have a good rookie year and then never do anything? And look at RG3. Look at Jameis Winston. Look at Marcus Mariota. They're, they're not that good. Like They're just not.
1: They really aren't. Uh, they're very underwhelming. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you might have answered your own question without actually putting a stamp on it yeah. by saying you don't see Jimmy G right now, yet in the class of the elite you see him – you know, fitting in that very, very
0: large, and I didn't think course, and I didn't even think Carson once was that good in his freshman year. And then, you know, he he was th- led the best team in the NFL. I last mean, Jared
1: Goff could hardly get on the field his rookie year. That's and what I'm saying.
0: Hey, you need to see some kind of prolonged success or before you can make make that kind of judgment. And so, especially uh, li- listen to this one real quick. Sure.
1: J- Jacoby Brissett was also a Patriots backup quarterback. He got traded very early in the season to play an entire season with the Colts. Now he actually had some impressive games. He he won a few. He competed. He kept the team in it a lot. Uh, could you imagine if say Jimmy Garoppolo was the, the quarterback of the 49ers all year that they would have been more of that meddling just on the bottom, just like just on the wrong side of the fence team, rather than him coming in when the season didn't matter for half the league and then taking the Niners by storm for five in a row?
0: I'm I'm a little confused.
1: I don't know what you mean. Like, if he was there all season, do you okay. think... like you, I think if he's there all season... You think it would have evened out, basically.
0: I think if he's there all season, he might... I don't know that he wins those same games at the end of the season because they might have actually mattered or something. You know, that might might have shook it up a little bit. I'd say he he probably has around five wins, maybe a win or two extra. Definitely not a playoff team. Um, I would probably put him around five to six wins, regardless, because I know you're gonna say, oh well, uh, you know, he already won those five games, but you can't assume that they win those exact five games because the season's gonna lay out differently. I think at that point in that season, you know, that's that's what you can count on out of him.
1: I look forward to seeing what Vegas does with the Niners, like when you know the over/under for the wins. Because it's going to be too high. Well, it's going to be too high because it wants it, it's going to ha- it's going to try to snag people to bet take right. the over because everyone's so high on Jimmy G right now. And it's going to be interesting because you know a lot of these teams who end up say over/under eight and a half. It's like kind of tough. Are they going to be five hundred or are they going to be a winning right. team? And I can imagine them getting like a nine and a half or something like that, and people just wanting to pound it so bad because Jimmy G is like the guy. He's the guy. You gotta remember Russell Wilson and Jared Goff are in that in that division. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be interesting. And now he has the weight of being the highest paid player in the NFL on his shoulders to perform this year.
0: I agree. I think it's that be doesn't fun. make it easier. No, it's gonna be fun. And I don't want. I don't want to act. I don't want people to really come at me and say, "Oh, well, you said he was horrible." That's not what I'm saying. He could very well be very good in You're the NFL. You're not pretending to know. Yeah, I just have no idea, and I, I don't think it's fair to assume anything with a quarterback in the NFL because you never know. I mean, look at Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was not picked to be that good. lesh. I know he got hurt and everything, but everyone was like, "Oh, you know, he's he's." What he's was too. he the fourth quarterback pick? Yeah, Deshaun, and, and to an extent, I mean. Winning is a huge part of, in my opinion, how you should draft a quarterback. I mean look at he look what he did in college. that should translate. So clearly what we how we evaluate quarterbacks, look at most of the number one overall quarterbacks, like the first quarter is wrong. I mean, Blake Bortles, is much I love him. Not that great, you know. Like <laughs> that's such a weird statement. Well, I'm just saying, number Blake one. Bortles, as much as I love
1: him, yeah, because he's awesome. He's the man. <laughs> no, no, I get it. But, but I just weird. look at like
0: the number like RG three. <laughs> not not a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't number one. right? Andrew he Luck was, was. Two, yeah. but but still, he was a second overall pick if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we don't evaluate quarterbacks right because there's no way to know. There's just absolutely no way way to know. Oh, we,
1: we gotta we gotta get this thing
0: moving. I think it's sorry. Int- it's, no, 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 no.
1: that baby. was good stuff. I thought it was real interesting because it, it is so up in the air. And I pretend to know that Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna be good. Jimmy Guapolo, <laughs> if that makes you happier. My man. But it's so hard to tell, man. So we gotta see. We're gonna we're gonna see how the Niners put this thing together. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, in their second year running that organization. Uh, let's see if they can do something like McVeigh and Really flip this thing around on Mc- his head.
0: McVeigh's like five years older than us.
1: Literally, he no. <laughs> what is he in mid thirties? I don't even think. He, I think he's like 32, 33. It's incredible. Yes, he's a yeah. He's not even not even ten years older than us. McVeigh has that stare that looks through you. You know, yeah. like if you ever see him looking at like towards the camera or something like that, you can look <laughs> into his eyes. He's not he's looking. He's got at dead eyes egg. like a shark. Yeah, there's <laughs> no way that guy sleeps more than like two hours a night. Um, anyway, moving <laughs> on, I want to talk quickly about the New York Metropolitans. Because sure. we got to get our man Duffy in here in a minute to talk about some basketball stuff. but Baseball. Baseball. I mentioned this to you before we started recording, and I'm just going to set it up and let you take over. I'm going to set it up by saying this. Are the Mets trying to trick its own fans into thinking they're trying to compete, or do the Mets think this roster actually will compete?
0: No. They're 100% trying to convince the players. I mean, I'm not the only person to say this, but I feel like I can claim this just because it's common sense here. Pl- signings like Todd Frazier, Jay Bruce, they're good for a team like the Yankees who have a foundation and have the bats around it where you can sneak them in. They're not the focal point. Like Todd Frazier was batting eighth and ninth for us last year. He's going to be batting somewhere in the heart of the order for the Mets this year.
1: There's a good chance he's like five six. Yeah. Four, and, maybe, and that's too high lights. for
0: Todd Frazier who bets consistently 230-240.
1: When Cespedes goes down for his month, <laughs> like Todd Frazier will get bumped up to five and we'll be like, oh. And it, <laughs> Sam, yeah, it's, and, and it's like,
0: okay, well he's only making eight million dollars, eight and a half eight and a half AAV. What does it matter? I'm sorry, what was that? Eight and a half AAV. Okay, okay, sorry. I, AAV just thir- totally. Th- what does that mean? It's like I don't. I don't. It's just like the average between the years. Oh, gotcha. It, it affects the cap space because You don't get paid. The cap isn't affected by y- year to year anymore. It's affected by uh, like the luxury tax. I mean, is affected by the average. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, go on. So um, you know, it, it's it's a good signing and everything, and the people are going to say, oh, he's only making eight and a half a year. Uh, what does it matter? It matters because you you had such a small window with these pitchers that you overused and didn't work right. So it's clearly on its last year or so that you have this chance to be competitive. And everyone's resigned to the fact that, oh, they're in a rebuilding phase. They're not in a rebuilding phase. They're in the last year of their ability to win a World Series probably. So go sign people. I know the free, free, free agent market isn't great. But go sign, go overpay for someone because you have the ability to overpay because you don't overpay anyone. You know, if, if, if the Yankees are trying to get under the luxury tax of the Red Sox or something like that, it's a little different because they already have these big signings where they've taken risks, where they haven't taken risks, where the money's already been allocated. But it, it doesn't make sense to sign both a Todd Frazier and a, and a Jay Bruce. You know, you could sign one. You, right. But you still need to make a splash. You need to go get a Hosmer or something like that. Where Yeah, you're probably going to overpay for him, but what else are your options? And you know, it could almost be more
1: acceptable if they were not spending over the past couple of years, and again this year, if you look at DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, right. Matts, Wheeler, as guys, we're confident we want to re-sign. But out of those guys I just named... Are we confident that any of them will be pitching for the Mets in the future? No, but 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 this is you know something. Degrom ca-
0: probably that's it, right? You know, I, I read something today about the Cashman said, and not to just keep comparing the Mets to the Yankees, but you know, he they said they said, are you comfortable with the lineup you have now? He's like, I don't believe I'm ever comfortable with the lineup. I'm always trying to improve, and that that's the way the Mets should operate. Everyone's tricked into thinking the Mets are a small market team. They're a New York sports franchise. They are the least, they're the opposite of a small market team. They should be spending as much as the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox every year. There's no excuse not to. They, they have like the fourth biggest revenue, uh, highest revenue in the league. They just don't put it back out there. And that's that's a disservice to the fans. You know, as much as I hit someone like James Dolan for example, he's the opposite of a, a type of owner and he's still a crap owner. Spend, 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 spend. Spend, 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 spend. Exactly. So there's. there's a happy medium there. You don't have to just throw money at everything. You can do it educatedly. But you also can't just penny pinch because that's not going to win you anything. You can't just the only way you do that is if you have an excellent farm system, which the Mets do not. They have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. So what are you going to do there? You're just going to you're going to it's like it's like the Knicks every year trying to get the eighth seed,
1: you know? It was actually kind of funny. Some of the prospects that the Mets had when they get traded and stuff, all of a sudden, like, their ranking (laughs) amongst, like, their other team's prospects are way different than the Mets. Like, our top 10 prospects, like, a top 50 on some other team. And it it hurts. Um, Just looking at the Mets' spread, right, of players, you have Cespedes, and let's chalk him up as, like, a okay, we paid him for the right reasons. Right, you have Cespedes. But he also might still not be available all the time. And then we have... Conforto, Conforto, who's going to be hurt to start the season? Uh <laughs> Rosario's in his second year. We re, we brought back Ray, Jose Reyes, who you know That's what? what?
0: You can you can't bring back Jose. Reyes. They, they have on We're their just pay- tr- there's treading, treading, treading. That's it. You know what third baseman they have on their payroll right now? Yes, Bobby Benilla, David Wright, and uh, Todd Frazier. That is this is 2018. This is ridiculous. Oh my this god. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that hurt. And also, how funny is it that they're just like, "All right, yeah, we're we're confident we're gonna bring back Darno and Pulaweki. That's what we need for catchers."
0: <laughs> like it's it
1: it gets kind of pathetic at some
0: point when, when, when in you reality, make these signings to trick they, your fans. They're tricking the fans. And how are they not trading for like th- the Miami Marlins are trading everyone for nothing? I'll not just the Carlos then, right? Literally they, a they bunch tra- of nothing. I, I, although I think the Christian Yelich got a good return. The, I think Which they get is lose. surprising. Yeah, he lo- has some
1: weird advanced analytics about Yelich, about, like his ground ball rate and that's stuff like weird. that. That's But so he, whatever. but he's,
0: that's also a pitcher's ballpark. Now he's going to a hitter's ballpark, and uh, was it Bushfield over there? Yes. Um, uh, but they're selling everyone for nothing. Go, what Was it J T. Realmuto? Is their catcher over mm-hmm. there? They're giving him up. Why aren't the Mets pushing for him? It, you know, why didn't the Mets go for Yelich? Why didn't the Mets go for Azuna? I know you're gonna say it's oh they don't trade it in the division. They would have traded within the division. Their they're trying- traded to the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just trying to clear salary here and, and the return is, uh, is 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 secondary. How do you not try to utilize that and get some people? By all accounts, they didn't try anything. Um you're forgetting about Adrian Gonzalez, bro. It's, you know, you're saying these names and it really <laughs> aggravates that me. it's 2018. The, 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 like, this is literally, this isn't even like a good lineup like six years ago. <laughs> nah, I'll, honestly, though, Frazier,
1: Jay Bruce, and Gonzalez six years ago mixed in with Reyes on a contract year because contract year Reyes <laughs> is pretty legit. That would be a fire lineup right there. I guess, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: Oh, man. Uh, and so like, but also, doesn't like having Adrian Gonzalez hurt Dominic Smith's gro- uh, growth? They don't. Uh, I don't think they're too high on him anymore. He was like, he was like the thirtieth best prospect in baseball.
1: No, 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 He was the Mets' like top three. No, prospects. he was in
0: the top one hundred. He was a high prospect.
1: It's not the same anymore. They saw him come up last year in the MLB. He was a little overweight. He didn't really have the the, you know, the fire in his swing. That you know who he won gonna... the Rookie
0: of the Year last year when he struck out like a hundred times the year before in a- like one hundred twenty a- bats? A-, a Ron. Yeah. I I think you you can't give up on a prospect after a year. That's a good point. And now maybe the Mets have.
1: (laughs) And they brought back, what is he, like 38? Adrian Gonzalez? He's got to be.
0: So ridiculous.
1: Man, so... You know what? I'm going to leave the Mets conversation off with this. You said sorry for keep comparing them to the Yankees before.
0: Isn't that just a, a microcosm for everyone, no, what, that, describing the Mets? You're right, and Mets fans, including
1: myself, can be like the little brother, that get defensive, and say we do this and we do that, and we don't have what you guys have, yada, yada, yada. But realistically, Brian Cashman is undoubtedly one of the most talented general managers in the league, if not the most talented general manager right now. The Mets need to be more like the Yankees, man. They did the rebuild the small market way and then mixed in the big market splash. Like, they did exactly what the they Mets should be doing. in, like, 30 games. It's incredible, man. It is incredible. Uh, but that brings us to talk about the actual Yankees. And since pitchers and catchers and stuff are, are coming around the block, I want to I want to ask your opinion on uh, two guys we don't know too much about. Sure. And Duhar and Gleybar Torres oh, sure. are two guys who are kind of expected now to be players for the Yankees this year. You have any uh, intel, any anything that you like or
0: don't like about either? Um, I think Glaber is going to be real good. He's not going to start right away. He's going to do that Chris Bryant thing where uh, you know twelve games in the minors gets you an extra year of control, even though Cashman right. says, "Oh, we won't do that." That's only because what is he going to say? Yeah, no, we're going to do that. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, he—he's actually what I like. What we need on the Yankees and the fact that he's just a contact hitter. He has a little power to him too, but uh, we, it'll look like he has some pop in Yankee Stadium. Sometimes yeah, for he, sure, you know, he, pre- he can—he can put the ball out. Yeah, at the stadium. he's projected like 20, 25 home runs. But if he's hitting, if we have like a two ninety hitter, three hundred hitter on the team, and you know batting at the top or the bottom of the order, um. That's gonna be really good for, and he's not like super fast or anything like that. But he, he's projected to be an incredible fielder and like a great contact hitter, great vision on the ball. So he's gonna be on base a lot. Him, I'm super stoked about, and that's you know a cheap thing to say. He's like the fifth best prospect in baseball. Right, that's you're not really going too far out on a limb Yeah, there. and you know there's a little bit of worry obviously with the Tommy John, but as a position hitter, a position player, it's not really. It's just about the time it takes to get back out there, but it's not going to affect things long term. Right, Har, uh I like Andujar. I've watched a lot of his, like, you know, I think he was in the AFL this year. Then uh, I watched a lot of the, um, you know, his, his AAA and Double A stuff last year. Uh, he is not a great fielder. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. Mm. He's got like a seventy grade uh, arm or something like that, uh, and he hits really well, as evidenced by his one game in ba- in the MLB where he mm-hmm. had like four RBIs and or something like that uh, against the White Sox. But he's not supposed to be a good fielder. Um, and it's kind of weird what they're doing with him because by all accounts, we're getting Machado next year. I know that's just you know the typical yeah, yeah, thing you think to yeah, say yeah, yeah, sure. and everything I but don't hear that yet but if if that's the case so what are you doing with him they're they're not going to if they wanted to get a Todd Frazier type they would have gotten a Todd Frazier type because they, the yankees don't lose out on a 9 million dollar player it just doesn't make any sense right they could be
1: easily paid him that
0: they they didn't want that extra year which so which means if they didn't want that extra year then they're trying to get Machado next year now andrew Hart is like the third ranked Third base pros- uh, third baseman prospect, and in, in baseball. So, what are you doing here? I- are you just keeping him as a stopgap until you get Machado? Or are you trying to roll him out there? And if that's the case, he's not supposed to be ready yet. You know, he needs a little bit more time to work on his defense. Although his like um, his uh, prospect projections, some people have him at like twelfth overall. Some people have him at like an eighty fifth overall. So you don't nobody really knows what you're getting out of him. Um, and to just throw him out there, pretty much right away. I don't think they would do the extra 12 games with him like they're going to do it. They back. don't really have the luxury with no Undohar because of Toreas and yeah. whatever who can fill in a second. Yeah, I, I, I think someone you're going to really, uh, just on the same part of this conversation that you, you, you're you going to, you should really keep an eye on. And David Cohn actually tweeted about this today too. I've been thinking of it for a while. Uh, Tyler Wade Tyler Wade was the guy they brought up he's like one of those ben Zobers types like you know super everything super position uh, super utility player I think they call him uh and he came up and he struggled really really badly last year but that's just because he played you know one game every six days or something like that which is no way to get a rhythm No, you need to, exactly so you're, you're used to playing um like he never had that that stride and uh I think he's gonna I, I don't think you can count him out this year I think he's gonna be playing around a lot because you can't really be confident in like when well, we're getting a second or we're getting a third, first base. I don't know if he plays any first base, but you can't really expect. Uh, I, that's another thing. I, I've been saying this for forever. You cannot count on Greg Bird this year. As much as I would love to say he can, he may be great, but Greg Bird has never done anything outside of September and October his entire career. I'm glad that you
1: brought that up, because I actually knew about your feeling about that, and I wanted to see. I, I was going to say, Alec, I thought you had a little hot take on our man Greg Bird there. Uh, is that? Do you just give a little glimpse at
0: that, or is there more to it? Uh, I mean, you remember how hyped I was when we first started doing this podcast right yes. before spring training last year? Mm-hmm. It was killing it, and I just sold myself on it. But I'm not going to get hurt again.
1: <laughs> so you're really uh, slow in the role on Greg Bird. A lot.
0: Uh, he's a great hitter when when in in the, at the end of the season and in the postseason. But that's because he didn't play the entire year every year because he's so re- He's so fresh to to just get up there. I, I'd love to see him do it for a prolonged period. People forget that last year when he first came, when we first the starting first baseman, he struck out a bajillion times, and then it uh, was one of those fake injuries, I think, where they didn't know what to do for months, and they just took a bone out of his foot, and it was a placebo effect. Oh, yeah. That's how that works. Uh, I, they, didn't, <laughs> they literally didn't know what they were doing. They no, said I it, I it a million times. I feel you, though. That
1: is true. It was a it, weird they, situation. for They Denver. might not have
0: even taken a bone out of his foot. Oh,
1: yeah, no, sure. Like, yeah. Mark <laughs> Hilf- maybe you should take a, 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 a piece of Mark <laughs> Hillful's shoulder out, get something going there. All right, so the Yankees have a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um, and the Mets, man, I mean, who knows? Is there a, is there a universe where they really compete this year? No, all
2: right.
0: Well, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> I say that they're 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 they'll get at least six, seven extra wins out of the Marlins not being good. You don't know that, dude. They're they're fielding a double A team out there. Yeah, I've seen the Mets lose to
1: bad teams a lot, especially the Marlins, especially bad Marlins. All teams.
0: the Marlins, all the the Marlins, Met killers are are off the team. You don't you don't have to deal with Christian Yelich anymore. Don't you worry? No more Marcell there, there will be more. I'm not. I'm not like I. The, I I can't
1: tell you how many times. Well, actually, I I probably could if I really tried because there hasn't been that many times where the the Mets have been that good. You see, <laughs> I almost hear that Freudian slip about saying yeah, the Knicks. who next? Because they're, <laughs> they're both so bad. But even when they are actually kind of good, they still can't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. It's just how it is. Who Who's the worst franchise? By the way, I always think of that. The Mets or the Knicks? I would have to go. I, the I would have to go with the Knicks there as yeah. well. Uh, like, because think about it. The Knicks have not only been bad; they've been like all over the news for the worst reasons possible. That's a fair point. The Mets have been bad, but they're not always over the news for the bad reasons, po- the worst reasons possible. So it's a, by- fun, t- a
0: fun, it's a fun, <laughs> it's a fun MJ versus LeBron debate for
1: New York sports fans. By my account, there the Mets are less horrible of a franchise, <laughs> and that's where I'm leaving it. Uh, But without further ado, Alec Argento and Pete Kennedy here. We're bringing our guy, John Lucas Duffy, into the chat. Duffy, on the spot, how you doing, my man?
2: What up, what up, Pete?
1: Dude, thank you for joining me and Alec today. Uh, Just so you know, we talked a little Cavaliers and Knicks earlier on this episode of the podcast, but there's more to talk about and more takes to be had. Uh, I'm hoping (laughs) for you to come in a little hot here. So... The new-lick Cavs came out today, and I know you might feel some type of way about the Celtics and their performance, but what did you see from the Cavs versus Celtics today?
2: So this is was a really fun game to watch, not because the Cavs blew out the uh, the Celtics by 22 points. Like, if you cared who won this game, it was really shitty game to watch, but if you just wanted to see how the Cavs would look with their new roster like I did, It was awesome because this was their best case scenario. This is what the best version of the new Cavs looks like. LeBron James almost has a triple-double. He's two rebounds away. And then seven Cavs score in double digits, and they shoot over 50% from three. So a team that went from second in three-point shooting last season to 12th during this year, and then they shoot 53%. They go 16 for 30. That's a lot of points you got to make up. So it, this, this was a great start for the Cavaliers.
1: I mean, could it have gone better? I mean, their first game with all the new heads, George Hill, Larry Nance, Clarkson, and Hood, against literally their main rivalry right now because, you know, you could call the Warriors the rival right now, but basically everyone in their mother doesn't see the Cavs in the same ilk as the Warriors. So in order for the Cavs to even get there, they need to take down the Celtics, and a lot of people think the Raptors. So seeing the juxtaposition of their first day as the new look Cavs against the Celtics was spectacular and I'm sure the NBA was really happy with that number on ABC for the ratings. Um the hype in the stadium to start the game off, it was Paul Pierce day. I mean, it was electric for the first couple of minutes in that game. Do you think the Celtics just had nothing to give? Too too it much hype, electric. too much hype I for just the moment. I
2: think the so, the Celtics were just limping they're limping into the All-Star break. They have been in the past week. A couple teams have been, actually. So it, it it was like a revitalized team versus, you know, a team that just really needs the all-star break right now. If you just take a step back and look at the game in its entirety. But like I said, if you really just focus in on the Cavs, it was exciting. But for the Celtics, this just isn't, you know, they, they have another game in three days. They play on the 14th. I forget who they play against, but – you kind of just got to throw that game away too. I'm sure it's not. It's going to be another uninspired performance. They're just tired. They just need a reset. A lot of teams. A lot of teams are looking like that right now.
1: And this is something we talked about on our episode of the NBA Outsiders last week. Is how you know they started the season a week or two earlier this year, and it's kind of making the All Star break feel so much further away. So all these teams are praying for some sunshine and and some time off. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. But on the more big picture scale here. I want to get you and Alex's opinion. I'll throw my two cents in later. Um, Duff, we'll go to you first. With these changes to the Cavs, from a head-to-head talent standpoint, looking you know top guy against top guy and down the list right there, do you think the Cavs have put themselves at an equal level or possibly past the Celtics as far as talent is concerned?
2: As far as talent is concerned, I would say... When everything is clicking for the Cavaliers like they were tonight, I think I, that I don't know I,
1: talent. I can't I can't allow that caveat right there.
2: I'm just saying in
1: general, big picture, moving forward in like the whole the whole nine. Not just, so just not just when in
2: the everything scope of is this clean. season.
0: Just like over yes. Play exactly. by the rules, Duff.
2: Oh, uh, Oh yeah. What do Yeah, you, I'll say I'll say they I'll say the Cavs are probably more talented, yes.
1: Oh, I did not see that coming from a guy who loves his Celtics so much. Um, what? What? what well, what's, your, have, what's your reasoning? They have
2: LeBron James. If you get
1: th- see this How about team, this? How about have this? more talent. Let me talent. let me let me change it for you. Let's let's cancel out LeBron, Kevin Love, assuming he's healthy by playoffs, and let's cancel out Kyrie Al Horford. Let's just say <laughs> in some random world that they're equal. Right. Moving to the rest of their players, you know the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Semi Ojeley, Terry Rozier, Daniel Tice. Uh, against Clarkson, Hood, Hill, Nance, Jr., Corver, those guys, the that, the rest of the team. What about that talent?
2: I would say that the the Cavs have more of an upside. They just have that higher variance. To you, you said it on last week's pod, Clarkson and Hood, kind of any given night, they look like all stars or they look like you know the last guy on the end of the bench, depending on how they shoot. Tonight, they shot amazing and. On another night, the Celtics would play better because they they're they don't have the same highs and lows as the Cavs are going to have. They they're, they're going to be more consistent. But you're asking me who has like a higher peak? I would say the Cavaliers, as far as that talent group.
1: So Alec. Yes. How do you feel about the talent of these two squads?
2: I think the Cavs have
0: leaps and bounds better talent on the on the floor. Damn it! I but, thought I was gonna come in at, but, at the end
1: hot after you guys both put down well, the Cavs. Well, here is
0: the thing: There's, there, there are two different like things you have to concern yourself with. the The Celtics are leaps and bounds better at being a well coached team, like by far, right? But they don't have a player like LeBron that can make a young team better. Well, you know, LeBron does that better than anyone on the Cavs could possibly do. Maybe like Al Horford is that type of player, but he's not going to make everyone that much better like LeBron can. So that's what that's what the the factor is between the two teams. It's not the talents there for the the Cavs, but I don't really think that matters that much. What's going to be is is can LeBron get everyone to rally behind him? All the young guys, you know, Rodney Hood. I think he's going to be a lot better here than he was on the Jazz because you can kind of hide his 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 flaws a little bit and he'll have, he's, you know like how J.R. Smith he's a little bit more consistent when he's with the Cavs than he is with the Knicks, you know. Right. So that's that's going to be the battle between the two of them. And, and, and for someone who thought okay, the Cavs aren't really they aren't going to be in the finals anymore and now I had to come to terms with the fact that the Cavs are a better team than the Celtics now. You know, that's what's going to be the factor in the finals, the conference finals between the two of them.
1: It almost becomes a weird LeBron James versus Brad Stevens it's exactly scenario, that's what I'm you know. That's so what I'm at.
0: you know, you just brought up
1: how LeBron can really lift these people who have never been the playoffs, like Nance and Clarkson. I mean, Hood's been there; he's got a sniff. Hills had some good runs with the Pacers back in the day, um, but LeBron's the guy who lifts his team, and Brad Stevens right. is the guy who lifts the Celtics. But the way I was looking at it, and I know I sent this to Duff in our group chat earlier, think about it from this standpoint strictly: the Cavs traded out as their four key role players well I'll say Isaiah Thomas even though he didn't really fit that spot yet he was really struggling
0: best but, bench player in the league
1: so these four <laughs> or five guys became, were were they were the best role players on the Cavs Isaiah Thomas JR Smith Dwayne Wade Jay Crowder and Tristan Thompson I guess or whatever any mix of those including Kyle Korver now those those key role players are all 25 and younger except for George Hill who's in his 30s but he's a vet and full of energy full of, of, of room to grow and prove that they belong in this NBA at the highest level. I see them compared to 21-year-old Brown, 20-year-old Jason Tatum. He might be 19 still, actually. And and we're going into the playoffs now. We're talking about some serious basketball. It, it's really hard for me to put my faith in the young, untested Celtics. Because realistically, they're untested together. They're, there's a brand new team from the Eastern Conference Finals team of last year. I don't know how anybody can confidently say the Celtics are like the favorite anymore.
0: No. Next year would Hayward back. Yeah. But right now, no.
2: Yeah. I would, both these teams are, you, you said it, what, what, there were four players returning from the Celtics last season to that are on the roster this year again. And yeah, this, the Cavs had an entire overhaul just three days ago, which is, it's, it feels like a week ago. We've been talking so much about it. Um, it, but they have, like Alex said, they have the caveat of LeBron James. So Brad Stevens as great a coach as he is, and he's a, a top two or three coach in the NBA right now, probably coach of the year if I had to pick. And but he can't be on the court and impacting the game the same way LeBron James can. That's that's what gives them the edge.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I think that actually makes them more like on on each other's level as as, as than than not. I mean, I think Brad Stevens proved that he can make anyone better. On that team, I don't think Jay Crowder or Isaiah Thomas is that good. But on that team, they're really good. You know, I, I think that it actually does factor into them being on more of a level playing ground than not.
2: Yeah, I, I just agreed with
0: you. I, I, think, you were sa- <laughs> I think you were saying that uh, that on 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 the court it makes them better with LeBron. So I I, I, I still think that it makes them level on the same on the same uh, court. Uh, so you think th- Brad Stevens is the equalizer? Yeah, I, I i think it's gonna. I think that, it, that at that point it could go either way, and I think that uh, probably LeBron goes there. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brad Stevens gets them all together and, and figures out a way to beat them, just by you know out coaching them, because I think out coaching them is can beat out playing
2: them.
1: And you know, like practicing and game planning, defense and the stuff don't like that. Do that? I thought that they do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the thing about the playoffs is we, we talk about how he, Brad Stevens is making these young guys better, and you're seeing you know Semi Ojeley and. Greg Monroe and Aaron Baines and Terry Roger. Like, they they went, like, 11 guys deep today. In the playoffs, everyone just goes to a seven-man rotation. So that's, like, top to bottom. The Celtics probably have more talent than – or, like, are more consistent – have more consistent contributors than the Cavaliers. But the Cavaliers' top seven versus Boston's top seven, like, LeBron just skews that in their favor so heavily.
1: I mean, I think this has been pretty obvious, but and Vegas has has backed it up by changing the odds of who's going to win the Eastern Conference. Is there any realistic world where somebody could sound sane and put the Raptors or Celtics ahead of these new Cavs? Or are we overreacting from seeing them play one game where they went bananas
0: in terms of seating or
1: no uh, winning playoff series? Uh-oh. Like,
2: showing up in the, like, being the representative of the Eastern Conference in the finals. Yes. Like, are, are we freaking out after
1: one game where they went off? Or yes. is this within We're reason? Out. I don't know. Like, are are we really freaking out that think
2: much? Think about, no, all right, listen. So, think about the Heat. When they got LeBron and Bosh and Wade. So, they went, like, 10-10 in their first 10 games. And then that whole first season, everyone's like, all right, well, they're just going to win the finals. And they lose. They lose to the Mavericks, and they lose to Dirk and Jason Kidd, and... All those guys JJ Berea and <laughs> JJ Berea shout out. And <laughs> that team together was two and two in finals series. They won two and they lost two. They were just as successful as not. And that team had a lot more time to gel and had way more talent than this current Cavaliers roster. So saying that they're guaranteed to be in the finals, I I don't agree with that. So
1: you think there is plenty of universe? to be had where the celtics and raptors are actual contenders
2: yeah do i say that either of those teams is a favorite over the cavaliers no i don't but i don't think the cavaliers are so heavily favored that it's like oh why bother even even going through the playoffs like they're not going to go 16 and 1 through the playoffs like they did last year do
0: you hear what jeff van gundy said today about essentially just you shouldn't watch any of the basketball this year because uh, there's no point as the...
2: uh, No, no, no. He didn't say that. Mark Jackson asked him that. And then Jeff Van Gundy was like, no, you should watch because all the games are great and exciting. He walked it back real quick. Uh, (laughs) You
1: know what Jeff Van Gundy did go pretty hard on, and I'm completely on board with this. He was talking all day how he's on the Chetty Osman train. (laughs) I am all over that train. My man is like 23. He's ready to run. He's ready to make plays. And he looked more involved and more um, confident today than any other game I've seen him play this year inserted yeah, so into the starting lineup.
2: Think about the, so we're talking about all these new faces, right? They were talking about George Hill and Larry Nance and Clarkson and hood, but Osman Thompson and J.R. Smith all had really solid games. Like Osman shot well from three. He looked confident with the basketball even though he's, like you said, he's 22 years old, but he's been playing professional basketball since he was 15. Literally seven years already. That's crazy. And then Thompson, we were talked about it last week. Does he care? Does he give a shit? Sometimes he looks like he does. Sometimes he doesn't. And now it looked like he was excited to play again. Like he had f- six points, four rebounds, two offensive rebounds. Like his stat line wasn't great, but if you watch the game, he looked really engaged and he was making life difficult around the rim on both ends of the court. And J.R. Smith threw down a thunderous dunk coming out of the uh, – I think it was coming into the second half. He turned back the clock on one. It was crazy. It, honestly, one thing
1: to be said that I think could not be disputed is that this trade, this or these trades, p- p- plural, really put energy into the Cavs. Like, the one thing it undeniably did is turn everybody around and say, holy hell, this has now become serious. Like, we now have more expectations – than we did before, which is crazy because there's a LeBron James team, but now all these young guys, it's more talent. Thompson, Jr. Smith, and I guess Osmond as well. They must have had to look in the mirror today and say, "Holy hell, we're gonna have to show out, or we might lose our minutes." Like Jr. Smith could could lose his his spot in the rotation if Hood and Osmond and Korver outplay him. Like if he's shooting 30 from three, he won't play, and that's kind of a crazy thing to think about for Jr.
0: Do you think he's thinking about that?
1: Yes. I Come on. I mean, <laughs> I he's he's, he's a guy it. who though isn't always super engaged or doesn't always seem like he cares. He has pride though. J.R. Smith wants to be known as good and known as this and known as that. And if he looks down the line and sees Rodney Hood dropping seventeen a game when J.R. is shooting thirty percent, he's gonna be like, All right, I gotta step up
2: or I'm gonna be embarrassed. But well, his stepping up is just taking more shots. Could be good. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if he's, well, he's gotta make he he was taking shots, he's gotta make shots. He looked disengaged like everyone on the Cavs before this like people are having this over correction saying like oh they're so heavily favored in the east now because they look so much better than they did before trade deadline day they looked like such dog shit before that week leading up to the trade deadline i if you told me they were going to be in the finals i would have said you were crazy because this was lebron's worst team since he was on the since the last time he was on the Cavs.
1: it's true And I think there was a lot of us holding on to the fact that they would always just be in it and they'd still have a chance. So before the trade, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to just give up on them because I've been duped by this team before. I've been duped by LeBron, and I'm not going to let it happen again. And basically, Kobe Altman and the Cavs bailed me out by not having to live and die by the Isaiah Thomas on the Cavs. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that, actually, because
1: <laughs> Alec was dying on the hill that the Cavs were bad and they weren't going to make the finals. And and me and one of our other
2: friends were really fighting. I'm like, come on, dude, give Isaiah I think 20 officially games. Right. Hey, he was right. He was right. I was about to say he was right. And now this is a completely different roster, so we have to reassess. And that's be, how I feel about it. I don't I feel agree like anyone. Enough. I, agree. You know, I
1: I think it'll be funny now when the Cavs come into, like, Orlando or something and see what kind of energy that they play with then. Like, if I see the Cavs show up against the friggin', um, I'm trying to think of a, like a random horrible team like the Suns. Like, say the Cavs play the Suns another time this year, and Tristan Thompson and Jared Smith are still running around with energy, then I'm like, all right, let's go. They're ready. We're in.
2: That's a good point. That'll be a great test to prove because it's easy to get up for the Celtics. It's easy to get up for playoff teams you got to make a statement, but in the dog days in the middle of February and March, do you really want to play against the Suns? Do you really want to play against the Kings? Hell no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know who else didn't want to play for the Kings? This is a great segue. Um, I'll give you guys a chance to give your last words on the cast, but Joe Johnson was traded to the Kings, and he's getting bought out. Um, so me and Alec were talking before you joined us, before Duff, how it's funny uh, in the MLB, that the trade deadline is basically a joke, you know, how the deadline will end, and then all these, like, waiver trades happen, these waiver clearances and pickups in the MLB. Well, there's a similar realm in the NBA where the trade deadline ends, and then we hear about, like, these three to five more names that will end up on absolute contenders and can possibly swing games in their favors and series in their favors. Those people are Joe Johnson, Marco Bellinelli this year, Uh, Greg Monroe, who you mentioned already on the Celtics, amongst some others. So, Duff, Marco Bellinelli is joining the Philadelphia 76ers, Joe Johnson, the Houston Rockets. Uh, What do you think these basically free pickups mean for these contenders or semi-contenders?
2: I think shooting is at a premium in the playoffs. There's no question about that. And Marco Bellinelli is certainly going to add that to the Sixers. Uh, We don't know... You know, how healthy is JJ Reddick? Because he seemed like he he banged his knee on a screen. He was out for like two, two and a half weeks with just a banged knee. Like I I don't know what was really up with that. I don't know how good he's feeling still. So this'll just add shooters around Embiid. So think about on the court at one time, you could have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and then you just have shooters. You have JJ Reddick, Marco Bellinelli and Robert Covington. So you literally can't double off anyone because they'll just lob it to Simmons for an alley-oop or a backdoor cut, or they'll just cross-court. He'll cross-court pass, Embiid will cross-court pass to any spot-up shooter, and they're shooting all around 40%. So how do do you defend that in crunch time? That that
1: lineup you just said to me is kind of scary. I mean, the Sixers are a weird team where sometimes their offense is absolutely clicking and they'll score a ton of points, but they can be offensively challenged sometimes if Joel Embiid's not super hot, Or if Ben Simmons isn't just making plays, but adding another shooter, another guy who can just run off a screen full speed. Honestly, they might have two of the best run-off screen at full speed catch-and-shoot guys in the league. I mean, take out Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Marco Bellinelli and and, uh, J.J. Redick are two of the best off-ball movers. Into catch and shooters. Uh, that's gonna be tough to handle when Ben Simmons is running rampant. Because he's been getting better. He's doing the opposite of what a lot of rookies do. Uh when a lot of rookies hit the wall, he's been just playing well and, and improving his game.
2: He's like a machine. It's crazy. Um the one thing that I'm a little disappointed in the Sixers that didn't get the uh the guy who could score off ball by himself, like maybe they should have gotten Joe Johnson instead. I wish. It was kind of flipped for the Sixers' sake because he can still hit spot-up threes, but he's got a better – you know, what did we talk about for the Sixers? We talked about getting Tyreek Evans to the Sixers or Lou Williams or something like that because they needed someone who could create their own shot from the wing. Bellinelli's not going to do that for you. He's going to run off screens like crazy like you were talking about. But you missed that. Okay, we're just going to clear out, let this guy get a bucket. You you don't have that. You don't got – Joe Johnson would have been a nice fit there.
1: You know, Marco Bellinelli might have been a really nice fit in Houston actually.
2: They just chuck threes. Like I guess they already have Ryan Anderson who's doing that plus he's like 6 foot 9. So he's like the 6-9 version of Bellinelli. And he shoots from 30 feet without hesitation.
1: Limitless range badge, for sure. Limitless. Uh speaking of Joe Johnson quickly to the Rockets. Do you see him – because I could see him being like a sexy signing right now where it's like, all right, we just got a a glorified scorer, a guy who can just go get a bucket. He literally helped the Jazz win a playoff series last year. Um, Now he's on the Houston Rockets. Do do you see his fit, though, with Houston and the way they play the game?
2: Yeah, I'll see the fit because he's just going to get buckets on their second unit. They're just going to throw him in there, and hopefully he's just going to spot up and shoot, and he's not going to have to create – off the dribble as much as he would on a team like the Sixers because he has Chris Paul and James Harden. So why would you put the ball in Joe Johnson's hand instead? So maybe on the second unit he'll be doing that. Otherwise, he's going to be a great spot-up shooter for them. It's a veteran who's been in big games. Not in big games, but a lot of <laughs> games in his career.
1: Well, kind of big games. Kind
2: of, Yeah, he was on those really good Hawks teams that underachieved.
1: It's very true. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can actually bring to the table. Uh, they're, they're built off moving really fast and getting shots up, and that's not really how Joe Johnson works. So I'll see how much that actually helps. I actually thought um, Joe Johnson to the Warriors might have been a little bit of a better fit. Uh, there's one more guy I want to talk about, and it was r- rattling around the NBA, that it could actually be considered malpractice that the Memphis Grizzlies did not trade Tyreek Evans. For a multitude of reasons. A, they're irrelevant and they don't need to win any more games. B, Tyreek Evans holds his own future after this season because he's a free agent and can easily leave the Grizzlies. And they just traded – did not trade him, didn't get anything in return. And now there's a chance they buy him out anyway.
0: And C, they they, they held him out for like two yeah, weeks. Cause they, they literally
1: <laughs> stopped him games. from playing. They said, all right, you're going to sit because we're trading you. And now he's still on the team. Like, is he going to end this season as a Grizzly?
2: I hope not for his sake, but I mean, you should hope not if you're a Grizzlies fan too, because he's going to help you win games. And you just want to tank. You want the best draft pick possible because you're already punting the season because Conley's hurt. Because Saul's taken a big step back. And in 2019, the Celtics have their pick. So they need to get better so that they have no incentive to tank the year after. So this year is really the year they need to take advantage of the fact they have their own pick and that it's actually gonna be a very desirable pick. Now so I'm... they might as well buy him out at this point. It's really a joke that they didn't trade him. They were stalling out because they wanted a first round pick or maybe they were even trying to attach Chandler Parsons to that deal. Like if you if I'm the Grizzlies and I say here's Tyreek Evans and just get Chandler Parsons off my books and then just give me Cash considerations or a second round pick, like moving that Chandler Parsons deal, would be—I would literally give Tyreek Evans away and just get that deal off. If I was, but it's probably just impossible. I was going to say i
1: I think the Grizzlies would have also done that, but I don't think anybody is touching that Chandler Parsons contract now. Yeah, it's just
2: literally so bad. There's no way you can make that work. Alec, I'm going to hop to you for a second. I want—I
1: want you to put yourself in the shoes of a Grizzlies fan but also still be a Yankees fan, right? Okay. All right, there's a weird situation here, but the Yankees (laughs) have... Two very similar (laughs) (laughs) franchises. Well, geographically, they're pretty close too, so that helps. (laughs) No, but this, this is the reason why I want this to happen. So as a Yankees fan, you have now witnessed Brian Cashman make these moves where sometimes he's really gotten the deal back where it's like, holy hell, that's amazing. But then there's times where he sent away a player where maybe he didn't get the return back, but it makes sense why he still pulled the trigger. Now, you as a Grizzlies fan, are you furious that they didn't try to do anything? Do you think they set their expectations too high and then like beat themselves in the trade market? Like, Would you be pissed
0: as a, as a fan of this franchise? I mean, yeah. You always want to get return. I, 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 I don't even have to put myself in uh, like as a Yankees bi- fan. I, I put myself as a Knicks fan. I don't want to see anybody just leave for nothing. I mean, y- you have you have someone like Kyle O'Quinn, for example. Like, he's, He controls his own destiny to get you a little bit of a return. If it's anything return... If it's anything at all, you do it. You want to lose as many games as possible, like Duff was saying. You want to get a draft pick that's a little higher. You take risks. That's the only way you're going to get better with those those guys. Like a, uh, as a Yankee fan, like Didi Gregorius. Didi Gregorius really wasn't that high on anybody's on anybody's sheets or anything like that. But you take a risk, and sometimes it works out. You don't know who's going to be. Who maybe you know Emmanuel Moutier becomes the next franchise point guard. Who knows? You, there's no. Risk involved with the Grizzlies right now. You, you're, this is the time to take those risks now, and if it's something like this, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I, I think it's it's easy. I think I set you up for like a soft toss right there. Yeah. it's pretty
1: easy, I guess. But
0: and you, you isolated me like I was gonna have like the the, uh, the the best take of all time on this one. I was, I, I was trying, normal, I, was trying, to, I was trying to set you up, man. Normal take. <laughs>
1: <laughs> normal take alert. Um, I just think like with the Sixers, like Duff Furkan Corkmox, right? That guy who's played like a few games for the Sixers. He's been a little banged up. He's a drafting stash guy. Like, why is that not a type of guy the Grizzlies don't just take a damn swing on, like, to get rid of this guy for something? Like, you said, like, it it just blows my mind that they sat on Tyreek Evans, who's scoring 18 points a game, who is having that contract year that, though he's not going to break the bank for anybody next year, he's going to get probably two or three years, eight to 10 million. Like, he's a guy who's super impactful. It just blows my mind. It really blows my mind. They didn't do anything.
2: It doesn't make any sense. Why not just. Take a second round pick, whatever. Who cares? And maybe that turns into someone who's like Taj Gibson, a Jace, who's just like solid on defense, can make 15 footers and in and you have him on a rookie contract for like three, four years. That's of more value to you than three months of Tyreek Evans.
0: mean, even a second round pick could turn into a nice trade
2: piece for another, you know, put into a package or something like that. Right, like with the Knicks. Yeah, or you just stockpile picks for later that you Uh can do whatever you want
0: with.
1: The Knicks traded Hernan Gomez for a guy they waived and two second round picks. They just used one of those second round picks in the Moutier trade.
0: We don't got to bring that up. That's that's a sore topic for me. Is it though? Yeah. No, it is.
1: uh, That's
0: a no return. That's a no
1: return in my book. They got two second round picks. What
0: are you talking about? But they they had a million second round picks. Uh, Well, I guess they didn't really. And then they just used one of those second round picks in the Moutier deal. Right,
2: but I feel like. Yeah, so they got, so for Hernan Gomez, they got a second-round pick and Emmanuel Moutier. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I love that. I would rather have I, the second-round pick. Th- I agree. Ah, I couldn't I agree more. I think
1: you guys are wrong so, on
2: this. Look, this is a perfect segue because I want to ask you guys a question. The Knicks at point guard have Jarrett Jack, Trey Burke, Emmanuel Moutier, and the French Prince, Frankie Nicotine. What, what are they doing at point guard? What's up with that? They got they just they have four, three point guards and they just traded for another point guard. Well, I think Do they hate Frankie N- Nicotine? No, well I, I don't know. I, I'll take Pete if you don't mind.
0: Um, I think Jared Jack's pretty much. I don't think you're going to see a lot of Jared Jack going forward too. His, so that's, his minutes will be waning. Yeah, he had eight minutes today. I think the other two had like thirty something apiece. All so right. so that's that's one thing. But I also I, I think that Mudiay and Nikola actually complement each other very well. Trey Burke is another piece, but uh, they they can. Trey bo- Burke
1: is a bench player at best. Yeah, and a th- good like if he if he is what we think he can be, like optimistically, he's a really nice bench player.
0: Right, and I think that you could have Moutier and Neil Nikola both start at the same time at the one and two, and kind of be both a one and two at the same time, you know. But so, that's a
2: they're neither one of them can shoot from three with consistency. So, but but maybe just, that consistency comes with them being playing I mean, more. So you're you saying like next year. Yeah, I mean, this year okay. is just the rest of
0: this year is kind of for funsies, you well, know. Like, well, M-
1: yeah. Moutier has already put himself to have become a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter, mm-hmm. which is way better than what he was in his first year or two.
0: But I think Frank has the capability to be a good three-point shooter too. Maybe not yeah, a lights-out guy, but I, I mean, I, he's
2: I, nineteen; he can still do whatever he wants. Right? He could be an astronaut still. Yeah, he, <laughs> he like three-point well range. <laughs> Spot-up corner three shooter <laughs> is very doable.
1: I actually. Uh, I'm actually on board with this. I think Frank should become an astronaut.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't that be just amazing? That'd be the Nick's best turnoff for get a a pick top ten ever. pick. <laughs> quits joins NASA.
1: I'm in. Good. Let's go, Frank. Let's let's get oh. Frank back to the moon. First first guy in a while back to the moon. Frank Nielakina.
2: <laughs> Shout out to Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say get him in that car or just send him to Mars.
1: Oh man, that's fantastic. But wait, Duff, it's actually funny you bring it up because we talked last week and I said. I think I, I forgot who I brought up to, probably Frank, I guess. I said, is there a world where Frank Nielakina and Emmanuel Moutier can play together at the same time? And what the Knicks seem to be thinking is exactly that. And they showed it in their first game, and Scott Perry and Steve Mills have been, have been putting that in as well, that they want these guys to play together, and they want to get acquainted, and they want them to complement each other. And defensively, which is realistically what positions are in today's NBA, it's like, who do you guard? Is your is your position? I can see it. I can see it pretty simply where Frank and Moutier can switch off on the one and two depending on matchup.
2: But here's the thing yeah, too. Yeah, Moutier is like Sorry. six five, so he's he's tall enough to guard the two, and he's quick enough to guard the one. And Frank is a little shorter, but his arms are so damn long that he can he gives he can match up with someone who's six seven like Clay Thompson. I wouldn't feel uncomfortable having. Um, yeah, Neil Aquino on him. I, I think I would. <laughs> I mean, it's not ideal, but like no, you saw him get saying. switched on to James Harden and he gave him some trouble. Like, that's obviously a great sign.
0: Even at the worst case scenario, though, having them two together, they're competing. Against each other too, you know, for minutes. That's good for the team. You know, they're going to drive and they do different things. So maybe maybe Frank develops a little bit of penetration game. Maybe Moutier develops more of a of a shot or something like that. Or, or vice versa. Yeah, so I'm saying. So I, I think that having two people, as long as Jarrett Jack isn't in the conversation, I'm fine with it because they're going to, you know, they're going to ideally they, they, they drive and make each other better. And uh, I think the one thing that's obvious with regarding Emmanuel
1: Moutier is that he can really lift the pace of the Knicks. Like Absolutely. He, he can make them play at a faster pace just based off his athleticism cuz Frank's actually kind of slow. Like Frank's not yeah. fast. He just has long strides. Uh so Moutier pushing the pace and getting into the lane will be a very positive thing. Um moving forward, do we want the Knicks to just lose close games? Well, I don't whatever gets us a small forward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you want Michael Porter Jr.? Is that who you're looking at? I'd be fine with Michael Porter Jr.
1: I'd take a swing on that guy 100%. Yeah. Damn. Basically, All right. We well had- I mean, the Knicks have a bunch of bad games to play coming up. <laughs> but Duff, do you have anything you're looking forward to in this All Star week that we're coming up to? Do you have anything that actually sticks out to you on All Star Weekend that you want to watch?
2: I'm looking forward to the Rising Stars Challenge. I like how it's I don't think this is not the first year they've done it, I'm pretty sure. Is uh I think it's the US third year. versus the world.
0: Isn't it always like that, U.S. versus That's the world? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, it'll,
2: it'll be a lot of fun because I think they feel they both sides feel pretty good teams. Like you have Joel and Embiid on the. I mean, which hold on, he's probably, hold he's on. Not gonna I, play on it now, but
1: yeah, which was ridiculous that he would have been. Named it would have been that. cool. It would have been cool. You're right. It, it was ridiculous. But he I like got that they do it. that. Still, I'm with that. I actually, I have. Uh, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I'm actually more intrigued by the All Star Game this year because of this little team draft thing. Just televise it and I'll be into it. There's a like, little more pride involved now in this All-Star game? No? Or am I just being too idealistic?
2: I guess. I don't yeah. know. I, Before I, all these injuries and now yeah. uh, Team LeBron is just gutted. Now, now it's time to see if he's really the greatest. If he wins this game, <laughs> he's really the greatest. So what we're looking forward to this
1: weekend is if LeBron James' team wins the All-Star game, he's
0: officially greater than Jordan. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm I'm hyped that maybe the dunk contest will be a little bit better than last year, which was the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. It was a rough last year. Who won it last year? Glenn Robinson? Ugh, the third.
1: Is that right? Yeah. Did he win? That's it. He was still in the NBA last year? No, he's in the NBA now. He's just hurt. Is he on the Suns? Is he is he on the Blazers? He's still on the the Pacers, guys.
2: (laughs) Pacers? Yeah, that's what he was on the whole time. I thought he was on the Suns. You guys were No, he was on the No. No, he was he was on the He was on the the Pacers Portland for a while. Uh, Who he played for, real quick? The Pacers.
1: Glenn Robinson third played for the Pacers and maybe, only. Maybe the we're Pacers. thinking of Glenn
2: Robinson the first and second. You <laughs> and <I. laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure he only played on the Pacers. But besides the point, Victor Oladipo, Larry Nance, Dennis Smith Jr., um, and who's the last guy? I can't remember.
2: Donovan Mitchell did yes. he play? Yes, yes, and Donovan yeah. Mitchell. That's going to be a fun dunk contest.
0: I'm excited. Oladipo could throw down, as evidenced by the Knicks
2: game today. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. Didn't he win a dunk? Oh no, he lost to Zach Levine. Yeah, but he was in a couple.
1: That's good stuff, man. All right, Duff, thank you, man, for coming in, talking about the NBA and some Cavs stuff.
2: Thanks, Duff. Hell yeah, baby.
1: All right, Alec Argento, P. Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy. This is the SBNY Podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed today's episode if you feel so kindly. Don't forget to take (laughs) some time to rate and review this program on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. It means a ton to us. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.